play more uh, audio. I'm not in my usual recording place, uh, but I am in my student room back in Eindhoven. Um, so if my audio is trash, uh, excuse me, but uh, deal with it. <laughs> um, secondly, I am here with a little-known uh, libertarian and movie maker, uh, Peter Quinones. Thank you for coming on, and uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I mean, as I said, I was moving, so could be better. To be yeah, honest, yeah, that's n that's <laughs> never fun. That no. is never fun. No. I, I haven't moved in. I haven't moved in eleven years, and there's a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm looking very much forward to having moved, um, but I'm not looking forward to the process very much, um, particularly because I'm going to be moving uh, several closets and a couch. Uh, up to uh, god damn it what's the word in English two levels uh, without an elevator so Ugh. yeah that's going to be a whole lot of fun um, but I have some questions for you uh, and a few things I wanted to uh, pick your brain about um, sure first of all uh, you have recently uh, made or well recently released a movie um, or, well, a documentary. Uh, now, uh, I was wondering what uh, motivated you to start making a documentary? Because as far as I know, you're not really in the uh, documentary making business. Well, I was approached by somebody who used to be in the movie business, used to be right. in Los Angeles, and he said, I have an idea to make a documentary about anarchism. And we want to take it from all sides, look at all the different um, you know, forms of anarchism, the schools of anarchism. Uh, but we do want to concentrate on uh, Rothbardian type Misesian anarcho-capitalism. Right. And I was approached because I have a <laughs> I'm dating and aging myself here, but <laughs> I have I have a Rolodex full of people that I've interviewed for my podcast. So they're like, well, we want to talk to Ron Paul. We want to talk to Tom Woods. And I'm like, yeah, I can reach out to those people. And the great thing about it is I think we have 25 to 30 people who actually are interviewed oh, wow. for the documentary. And we had very few people say no. Oh, so, cool. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to name any of my friends that said no. <laughs> and, and also, well, and also there were people that we just couldn't get to. Oh, there, right. there were people who we just ran out of money, and travel is really expensive. So, um, yeah, you know, like I'll, I'll say one person who said no because I mean he's not going to. I don't. I email back and forth with him sometimes just to ask him questions. But Noam Chomsky said no. Oh, okay. We wanted to have. We wanted to have an anarcho-syndicalist, um, right. somebody from the left. And he, he just said, no, I'm in my 90s now. I'm in Arizona. I'm not really interested, but I'll recommend some people to you. And he gave me a couple names. And All right. I read their I read their stuff, and it was more like Democratic Socialists of America, and we wanted true anarchists. Yeah. So um, it, we ended up not being able to – I mean, I guess the only anarchist that we would say – that I would say was like – towards the left side of the spectrum was Thaddeus Russell. Ah, okay. And Thaddeus Russell, I don't think Thaddeus Russell would call himself a left anarchist, but some people would refer to that. <laughs> most people look at Thaddeus as left. Um, but I mean, every pretty much everyone on the right said, everyone who would be like a right anarchist or a free market anarchist, let's just call it a free market anarchist, mm -hmm. um, said yes. I mean, there was a couple exceptions, but it, no big deal. I mean, it wasn't everything we needed to get out into the public in this one broad overview of anarchism. We got out, we feel. And now what we're going to do in future projects is we're going to look at themes that we just touched on in this documentary, pull those themes out and make full length documentaries about them, about that subject. So, you know, this is the broad overview of the way we see the world running the best and the most efficiently, not perfect. There's no utopias. There'll never be a utopia because people suck. Oh. Um, but we think that this is the best way that you could structure a society. 
And from here on out, we're just going to go at go at the the themes that we touched individually and turn those into hour and a half documentaries. Right. Okay. Um, I have not yet watched the documentary, which is uh, in part due to the fact that I'm a millennial with a concentration span of one and a half minutes. Um, so watching a one and a half hour documentary uh, is a bit of a challenge. Um, <laughs> but uh, is one of the people that you did not manage to get on John McAfee? Well, I mean, John McAfee is, where is he? Is he in Cuba? Is he in the Bahamas? Is he in, in you know, international waters? I mean, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go to Los Angeles to interview, you know, San Bernardino to interview my friend Vin Armani, but we just didn't have the All money right. to do that. Yeah. So, you know, if I can't, if I can't make it to the lower 48 for him, I'm not going to go search McAfee in the, search out McAfee in the Caribbean, you know? Well, I feel like part of the problem of um, of trying to go anywhere uh, for McAfee is he, he might not be there anymore by the time you get there. Well, I think the only thing that I'd really like to go hang out with him just to shoot some <laughs> of the guns he has. I don't have I, I, I have. If I wanted to go shoot MP5s, I actually have to drive a couple hours to do that. Um, I've been invited to go do that about a couple hours away, but at least hanging with McAfee, I know that I could just go outside into the deck of the boat and just start shooting. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I think if I want to start shooting MP5s, I uh, should either take a flight somewhere to Syria uh, or take a flight somewhere to America. Um, but over here in the Netherlands, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, well, yeah, or or you just have to become a cop. <laughs> yeah, but I think even <laughs> even the cops here have very limited access to uh, to the big guns, um, because uh, there's not really anyone that's going to shoot back at them, uh, at least mm. not in general. Um, uh, that, that, that in my experience, <laughs> that doesn't stop cops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, although I think there is a massive difference in. Uh, police culture between uh, America and uh, Europe. But that is another topic for another day. Um, yep. Or, or or another documentary. Yes, that would be uh, possibly very interesting. Uh, <laughs> or why not both? Another we, podcast and another may, documentary. <laughs> well, and that documentary already maybe, maybe it started working on. Who knows? Ooh. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, it does lead me, though, into uh, a few questions about guns. Because uh, I'm a European, so I might be an anarchist, but I still have, uh, let's say, all of the European um, stereotypes about guns in my head. Uh, or at least I am very familiar with them. So my first question to you is, uh, do you intend to uh, fight a one-man war against the government with their tanks and their drones that you think you, that you can win with your uh, assault rifle 14? I don't think that any... I don't think that <laughs> armed rebellion is helpful. Um, Carl Hess said that you know, there's never been a successful revolution. There's only been a change in management. Uh, even the American even the American Revolution went from a tyranny three thousand miles away across the water to a tyranny a couple hundred miles away in Philadelphia and then in Washington D.C. Yep. You know, uh, the, any guns are there as far as I my whole ideology around guns, my whole philosophy around guns is self defense. If right. someone's coming to shoot me, um, if someone's coming to hurt me, I'm going to stop them. And I really only believe that that's the only way that it can be done. I think that any kind of armed rebellion, I remember uh, a few months ago before, which seems like 10 years ago because of COVID-19 and now the riots <laughs> that we're having here yeah. and the protests, you had the march in Virginia on the Capitol. Ah, yeah, and people... Yeah, and people were saying, "Oh, this is so great and everything. They should just take the capital and everything." And I'm like, "Do you think how many of these people do you think are libertarians and caps? They're mostly all pro-cop, pro-government conservatives. So what are they going to do? 
They're going to take over the government. And if they don't get invaded by Washington, D.C. or the National Guard or the or the Marines, the government they institute is going to be law and order, but pro but but pro gun. So, I mean, really, what's the difference? I mean, you're, you're going to start a revolution where you're, you're going to start a revolution to keep your guns where really when it comes down to it, you're going to keep your guns anyway, even if they said you had to turn them in. Yep. So what's what what are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> I, I never could understand that whole thing of, oh, we're going to march. Uh, we're going to march on um, on the Capitol. And, um, you know, we should really take it back. And I'm like, well, what are you going to institute in its place? I mean, I guarantee you those 20, 30,000 people who march there. How many of them? What percentage do you think have read Rothbard Mises Hoppe? What? Uh, what? Point zero zero one. Yes, even like less than that. So, I mean, come on, come on. The, the revolution starts in the mind. It always has. Mm. And as soon as the bullets start flying, it's just whatever comes. As soon as the bullets starts fly, start flying, as soon as they stop, whatever comes next is going to be at least similar to what you had before. So it, it has to. The revolution has to be in the mind, and weapons are there to protect. You know, to protect against aggression. Right. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll completely agree with you on the uh, idea that revolutions aren't very, uh, or well, are, uh, are are not the way to go. Let's say uh, I've been doing uh, a series on revolutions with Bird. Uh, so far, we've covered the Dutch Revolt slash Eighty Years' War with the Spanish, the French Revolution, and the American Revolution, and now we're currently covering the uh, Russian Revolution which Bird is going mm. to break my entire brain with, by the way. Uh, we <laughs> recently recorded the first one, like the first episode of three about the Russian Revolution, uh, because it's such a massive shit show. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, the Dutch Revolt... They kill all the, they kill all the anarchists. That was a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Dutch Revolt basically started over uh, religious freedom in Texas. Well, we still have some... Largely, we still have religious freedom, uh, but our taxes are significantly higher than they were under the Spanish. Uh, so, I mean, that's one lost. Uh, the French uh, revolted against the king, uh, chopped his head off, uh, chopped another uh, 50,000 people's head off, uh, wrote the Declaration of uh, the Rights of Man and Citizen, uh, and then uh, ended up with a fucking emperor. And I mean, the Russians ended just... up with Napoleon. Yes. <laughs> oh, and, then... and, and who and what happened to the guy who came up with the idea for the guillotine? Oh, well, his he... head got chopped yeah. off under the guillotine. Yeah, his head <laughs> got chopped off. Yeah. Maybe being the, the main one promoting revolution doesn't work out very well in the end. <laughs> it doesn't work great. No. And I mean, the American Revolution sounds nice and well. Uh, until you realize that not even 10 years after the revolution, they passed the 11th Amendment, making it impossible to sue your own fucking government. Uh, <laughs> because I'm uh, doing a series with uh, QD Abolitionist uh, from <laughs> Unshackled Liberty on... Yeah, uh, good guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. Um, on all of the uh, American amendments after the first 10, essentially. Um, <laughs> so the first one that we tackled, the 11th, pissed us off already because we found out that uh, it just basically makes it impossible to sue the government. It's like, yeah, you know, there's diviner, uh, fuck, diviner right? No, whatever. Um, and I mean, the Russians revolted and they got Lenin and Stalin uh, as a result of it. So revolutions don't generally work. Um, now, I have a few more questions about guns. Um, sure. Are you a, uh, a radical right winger? that wants to shoot any black person for stepping foot on your property. I mean, I, I'm one of those people <laughs> who I don't, I don't really, there's going to have to be a danger to life in order for me to shoot somebody. Um, I know that there are laws and I'm an anarchist, so I don't really care about their laws. I care. You know, I have my own morality. Um, someone steps on my property, says steps on my lawn and you know, jumps the fence, steps on the lawn, 
grabs something, you know, grabs a sign off the lawn or grabs a lawn chair and jumps back over, they can have it. I'm right. not going to chase them down. I'm not going to, I mean, it, it, it's not even worth my time. Um, I will tell my neighbors because I think that it's really important to let your neighbors know, um, you know, when you look at, I, I, I did a speech in New Hampshire and I wrote a long paper uh, detailing um, how the colonists handled, you know, stuff, stuff like horse theft in the 1600s right. and the early 1700s. And the first thing they did was tell their neighbors, because now as the neighbor of somebody who's been robbed, you have that person has self-interest in knowing um, as soon as they find out that there's a thief in the neighborhood. OK, there's a thief in the neighborhood that I could be next. So right. um, they didn't have they didn't have law enforcement like you know we do today where you're like automatically, oh, let's call the cops. No, <laughs> they would investigate it on, on their own. So I would definitely tell my neighbors, hey, there's a thief in there. But I'm one of these people who is I do not want to call the cops for anything. About six months ago on the property of where I work, the business I work at, a a teenager just sat down in the middle of the property, like by one of the doors, the entrances, and started like doing a model. And I went out there and I just said hi. And then I could real I realized that he he had um men, there was mental issues there. Oh right. He was probably yeah. sim he was probably simple. And over the next hour, I'm telling, I kept coming out every 10 minutes to say, look, man, you got to leave. You can't sit here. You got to leave. And he's like, why are you being like the third time? He's like, why are you being yeah. mean to me? And I looked at him. I said, if I was being mean to you, I would call the cops because believe <laughs> me, if the cops come here, they're not going to be like I am. And it took me another you know, 30 minutes to get him off the property. And he left. And I never called the cops, and I'm and I'm happy about that. I'm even proud yeah. of that because there are too many people who would have just jumped to call the cops. And let me tell you something: what you're what you're seeing going on in the United States. I mean, I believe in private property. I don't want these people rioting and hurting people's private property, mm -hmm. um, hurting hurting businesses. They they shouldn't be doing. They, they shouldn't be doing that. But there is a huge police problem in this country. And I am willing to bet that if I would have called the cops on that kid, that kid would have got roughed up because he had mental problems. And they're not going to send somebody who knows how to deal with somebody with mental problems. They're going to send somebody who is a hammer and all they see is a nail. Exactly. And yeah. so my... <laughs> I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't. I mean, if you jump the fence, jump the fence on my property and you start hurting my dog or you start hurting one of my animals or you come after me or my wife, you're going to you're going to get shot. I don't care. I don't care if you're black or white or you know, or Spanish. You're going to get shot. But as far as, um, you know, just I mean, I'm, I'm not going to shoot somebody who's running away. I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm only going to shoot somebody if they're threatening, you know, threatening my safety or the safety of um, my family. But, you know, a lot of people could then make the argument, well, if he sees you allow him to do it, then he'll come back, you know, and he'll get even bolder. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm going to tell the neighbors and we're going to have a conversation about that. And I'm when I have that conversation with the neighbors, I'm going to tell them, let's not get the cops involved in this because it never works out well. And, you know, it's a great time to have that conversation with your neighbors. When Absolutely, people yes. look and they see that, they're, you know, police are murdering people on even though they know they're being videoed, I think people are, you know, this is a great time to really get to know your neighbors. And, um, you know, I mean, I know people are listening to this, you know, Americans will listen to this and they'll be like, oh, you're just, you're just one of those pacifists. It's like, no, I'll fucking kill somebody. I'll kill someone in a, in a heartbeat <laughs> if they're trying to, to hurt, you know, myself, my wife, somebody else. If they're trying to hurt somebody else, I'll do it. Um, I might, I might fire on someone who's hurting an animal. Someone who's just hurting an animal just because they're they want to, and I don't care if it's their property. That friggin' autistic libertarian thing <laughs> about um, oh animals are property, so you can do whatever you want to them. Yeah, let's vivisect them on the front lawn, you fucking morons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I mean I 
yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is ever hurt hurt somebody. I don't care what color they are. That's why I wouldn't join the mil. I never joined the military. I mean, my dad told me, you know, you join. I don't want you to join the military, but there are a lot of benefits. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to contribute to kill to killing people or hurting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, that uh, leads me to another question. Um, let me think. How do I phrase this? So. Uh, recently I, uh, was talking to some people, uh, I've had a bit of discussion with some people about whether or not spanking one's child is a violation of the nap, but let's leave that conversation, uh, where it is for now. Um, but it leads me to a different question, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, quite a few people were saying, um, that essentially if you... Uh, violate the nap in a small enough way is not really a violation of the nap. So let's say uh, we are in a crowded metro and I step on your toes. Now, I'm uh, I'm a libertarian, so I'm highly autistic. So I would say that technically speaking, that is a violation of the nap. Uh, I'm not going to blow your brains out for it because that would be slightly unreasonable. Um, but I wonder what's your... Uh, take on this like how where do you draw this line like is there any uh action that's insufficient enough that you just shouldn't consider it a um violation of the nap or uh yeah how do you see this uh, i i grew up riding the trains in new york city and i got my feet stepped on all the time you get bumped <laughs> right. into i mean intent is everything Right. If somebody walks by, if some, if I'm on the train and someone walks by and they step on my feet and even if I can tell they didn't do it on purpose and really who's just going to step on your foot on purpose. That just makes, uh, that just makes no sense whatsoever. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's not, I understand you're just using an example, but say yeah. somebody's somebody like w is walking through the train and they don't like the way you look, so they walk by you and they bump you on purpose, like shoulder, like they put their shoulder into your shoulder and bump you. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna? I mean, if they keep walking, what are you gonna do? Probably you're gonna uh... start a fight with them. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, you're if your ego can't handle some idiot who just wants to feel like he's a like he's a badass. Um, going by. I mean, I grew up with this. I grew up around people like this who just needed to show their ass every once in a while and show that they were tougher than you. And a lot of those people, if you did unleash on them and start throwing punches, they back down like little bitches. So, I mean, but it's all about intent. I mean, if you're on the yeah. train and someone comes up to you and says, give me your wallet and everything, and they have a gun, I mean, those are different. Those are way different. Um, the rules are different now. If you're right. on a train and somebody punch, you know, if somebody just cold cocks you out of nowhere, those it's it's all about intent. And you can tell. I mean, and you, know, you also have to, you know, I, li I try to live by proportional response. So if somebody punches me, <laughs> I should be. I'm going to punch back. You know, I mean, these, these pussies who they, they get in a fight and they start losing the fight and then they pull out a gun and they shoot the person, you know, especially if they started the fight. I mean, you're just acting like a cop now. Pretty you're much, just acting yeah. like, like, yeah, you're just, you're just being like a cop. You, you know how many times cops have gotten into, get, gotten into fist fights and they knew they were going to lose and they just blow the guy away. It's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have fucked with the guy in the first place. Yep. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, if you really think that you're, you know, if, if the person is overpowered, you got you on the ground and they're beating your head into the ground like they, like they say that, like George Zimmerman says Trayvon Martin was doing to him, you know, and you feel like, you know, you're going to pass out and worse can happen to you. Sure. Pull out your gun and shoot. But I mean, that shouldn't be your default. I mean, yeah. I, I have, I'm of the opinion, someone like myself who carries a gun everywhere they go. I went out, I went out to run errands this morning. I had a gun with me. We have to be the humble ones. We can't be looking for trouble. We can't be the ones who somebody bumps you in the store and you're like, Hey, watch 
you know, watch your step. Just know what you're capable of. And if you know that you're, you know, put it this way. I've heard Michael Malice talk about hanging out with UFC fighters. I mean, right. and these are some of the most da dangerous people in the world. And he says he's been in a bar with them when somebody will start, get really drunk and start messing with them, you know, and be like, you know, I bet I can take you out. And they'll just look at him and go, I bet you could. You know, they're not gonna. I mean, they could destroy this person, but oh, they're yeah. ego. They have their they have their ego parked. I mean, for the most part, I think anybody who knows that they're a dangerous individual, if they have their head on straight, they have their ego straight, and no, they just have to just be cool, be cool until it really jumps off. Until there's, I, I'm one of those people who believes you do not pull your gun until you feel like your life is is in danger or the life of somebody else is in danger. And I've told the story before on other podcasts about we have this gigantic internet forum in Georgia. It's one of the biggest firearm forums in the world. And some guy came on there and said that he was, he started bragging about the fact that he was in downtown Atlanta and some homeless guy asked him for change and he pulled his gun and waved it at him and the guy Jesus ran away. Christ. And then the guy... We just we just proceeded for the next two hours to berate this guy. Yeah. I mean, to just call him a pussy, tell him how much of a faggot he was and everything until he just left and never came back to the forum. And this was like eight years ago. And to and to this day, we mentioned that guy's screen name as a meme. Whenever anybody's acting like, whenever anybody's acting like a badass or talking like a badass, yeah. we mention his screen name and call that person his screen name. You have to, I mean, sure, there's there are gun owners, and you see it in the news. There are gun owners who aren't don't have don't have the temperament to own a gun, and I'm not saying they should. The government should take their guns away, but I mean, they they just obviously don't have the temperament to own a gun, but. For the overwhelming majority of the people that I know who have taken the time to get to know their weapons, to get training, and to hang around in an environment with other gun owners are some of the most peaceful people out there and also some of the best people I know, even though a lot of the time, most of the time, their politics are absolutely right-wing garbage. Yeah. Well, I, um, uh, I can attest to... Uh... Uh, to essentially uh, not wanting to start a fight. Uh, I uh, started doing martial arts a few years ago. Um, so I've been doing Muay Thai and boxing and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a few years. Um, and it's made me significantly more hesitant uh, to start a fight than I was. Not that I was very, uh, very much the type to start a fight anyway, because... Uh, I'm a lanky, skinny motherfucker uh, and morally, mostly a rock climber. So, I mean, my chances aren't great already. <laughs> but uh, the uh, training martial arts really made me aware of how easy it is to get your ass whooped um, <laughs> by just about anyone. Uh, yep. Like, you can't, uh, like, you can't see it in any person that you walk into on the street. It might be a short, fat guy that can absolutely fuck up your shit um, while you are like six feet tall. So it's not, um, you know, caution is warranted. <laughs> uh, plus, uh, another thing that people don't realize, at least if they don't really get into fights, um, is that if you're not wearing gloves... Uh, or wearing lots of protection, <laughs> punching and kicking people fucking hurts. Um, hey, let me tell let me tell you something. The the metatarsals in behind my um my second knuckle on yeah. my right hand. Yeah, I've broken those before punching somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boxer yeah. fracture. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah. It it was not pretty. It was like you punch somebody, you feel the sting. You look down at your hand, and it's already swollen up like you're oh, hiding Christ. a roll of quarters yeah. under your skin, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember um, uh, one time I was uh, doing some more training with a buddy after our Muay Thai training, and we were doing some pet work, and at some point uh, he threw uh, some kick at me, 
which I was supposed to catch, but instead I um, I just kind of instinctively pulled out my own shin to block it. Um, so basically he just kicked my shin full on, and it fucking hurt like a bitch, man. Holy fuck. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, I said I said metatarsals. I've actually broken those before, but it was actually metacarpals. Ah. Carpals are in your hand, tarsals are in your feet, and I've actually well. <laughs> um, I've actually rolled my ankle and and like uh, got a spider fracture on the second metatarsal. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have uh, throughout all of the crazy shit that I have done, somehow managed to never break anything. Uh, between rock climbing, uh, kayaking, whitewater rafting, uh, exploring the Parisian catacombs, um, I have never broken anything. So, lucky man. I am very lucky indeed. Uh, but well, let's knock on some wood here uh, and hope yeah. it doesn't happen <laughs> in the future, um, because I don't plan to stop uh, doing stupid shit. Um, now. Uh, before we go on to the next topic, uh, we are going to cut out for the commercial break for a second. I sweat hard for the ones I love. I bleed red American blood for my hopes and dreams. I earn my keep and you can tell that thumb-sucking girly man from California I said so. At the end of the hardest of days defending the values of liberty, freedom, and personal responsibility from those who seek to undermine them, I need a refreshment fit to quench the fires of my self-righteousness. Brother, I need look no further than Liberty Pilsner. From the tap or the bottle, the crisp, refreshing taste of liberty pairs excellently with 5.56, or even the trusty 9mm. Liberty Pilsner is affordable too. It leaves me with plenty of budget left for the rest of my shopping list. It even got me interested in taking on the outdoors again. And it rates 12% alcohol by volume, but only 10 calories, so I can watch my figure guilt-free when I get fucking blitzed and ask someone with a similar but hyphenated last name back to my place for a spell. It was hyphenated, I think. What does it matter? Am I being detained? So next time you feel like a refreshing reminder of the prices paid for your freedom, hold my beer. Liberty Pilsner. Because the government doesn't need to know why I've got 18 bags of fertilizer. It's the police. Open the door. Get a warrant. Thank you, Boston, for that ad. And remember, people, drink Liberty Pilsner. Now... Back to the matter at hand. I am back from commercial break with Peter Quinones. What a fantastically short break that was. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> after guns, uh, I have some uh, questions for you about agorism, um, which I believe um, uh, Alec Utopium told me is the correct pronunciation, um, as opposed to agorism which would be the more American pronunciation. Um, Sam Sam, Con- Sam Conkin pronounced it agorism. So. All right. Well, there we go. Um, so my understanding is that uh, apart from the whole um, way that Conkin uh, uh, describes the different markets, it's mostly just about uh, taking out the state or, or creating your own independence from state through counter-economics. Um, so my question is, essentially, how helpful will this be? Um, because, I mean, growing your own pickles isn't really going to, um, like, cause the state any distress. Uh, but going full Ross Ulbricht uh, won't exactly uh, um, cause the uh, desired result either. Well... I think the way that I'm looking at it is that Bob Murphy put out a, you you know, Bob Murphy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He put out an episode this week about, um, they're talking about defund the police and he was talking about defunding the police. And he said, Mm -hmm. he made a really good point is that public opinion, people don't realize it. 
that public opinion means so much. Um, I mean, as we're recording this on a Saturday, and I just read this morning that Colorado has eliminated qualified immunity for their police officers. And oh, wow. this, yeah, this, I mean, and it, imagine that it would have to be the states that would 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 do it because <laughs> no one would do it federally. Um, it seems like the 10th Amendment wins again. Hey. Um, <laughs> but, but I think the point Bob was making, talking about public opinion, is it really works. And if public opinion sways enough, these monstrous politicians are going to like Obama when Obama won um, the presidency in 2008 when he was running he was anti-gay marriage because I think gay marriage had like 35 to 40 um, percent public opinion uh, approval at the time but in 2012 when he when he ran again it was up to 60 so now he's pro-gay marriage so the old thing about Andrew Breitbart saying that um culture um politics is downstream from culture really makes sense and if you by promoting agorism and one of my goals is going to be trying to promote agorism in lower income and especially black communities because these are people these are people who are agorists are live many people living i mean, i grew up i grew up in a black community in a predominantly uh spanish black community in new york and these are people who are agorists embrace agorism but have no idea what it is they don't yeah. know that name they don't know that they're doing it and it's such a great way to starve the state but the whole thing bringing it back to public opinion is that if you get people if you start putting it in people's heads that, hey, you know, sure, keep your day job, but hire somebody who can make sure, you know, if you're not willing to stop paying your taxes, then hire somebody who's going to get you back all the taxes that they can. And, you know, you find a great tax lawyer, get all your money back and start something on the side. But whatever you start on the side, make sure you're not paying taxes in it. So you're talking about growing, you're talking about um, pickles, which is you're growing cucumbers and then you have to, then you have to put them in brine. And um, I don't, I don't, I'm, I have a purple thumb, not a, not a green thumb. Um, Well, well then you take them down, you find a farmer's market, something local where you take it down there and you sell it, but you sell it. If you can't sell it for silver or cryptocurrency, you sell it for cash and don't collect any taxes. Mm-hmm. So you can do that with a, a bunch of other things. I mean, I've been an I've been in a chorus for a long time. I mean, it, some of I don't talk publicly about stuff. I mean, I've talked about the fact that um, I used to sell bootleg DVDs out of the trunk of my car, and um, some and how did I get away with doing it for so long? Because some of my best customers were cops, oh. and I didn't I didn't. And I didn't give them to him for free. I made him buy it. So um, that's the way I got away with doing that for so long. But there's so many other things like, um, you know, in in Georgia, it's legal to buy guns privately and sell guns privately. Right. So say say you bought you bought a gun from someone and it was you bought it for three hundred dollars or four hundred dollars. And well, now there's a scare that they're going to take them away. So gun sales go up and you turn around and you sell them. Well, sell them privately. Don't sell them to a gun store who's going to jip you out. Of, get get everything you can for it, and you're not paying taxes on it. So it's like every gun I I don't. I mean, there's a couple guns I have just AR lowers that are registered that the government knows about, but almost all the guns I have the government doesn't know about. You know, there there's no they don't have the serial numbers. They don't. There was no four four seven three um, filled out form in my name so that they could be traced to me. And it's just stuff like that. It's just, you know, my my favorite one is, and growing up where I grew up, and then even after I moved to Florida and lived in Florida for a long time, is everybody who was of, you know, lower, lower to middle income knew a shade tree mechanic. And that's a guy who may be a mechanic during the day at the local garage or at a dealership, a car dealership or something like that. But at night he comes home and on the weekends he fixes cars in his garage for cash. I mean, ah, it fixes right. cars in his yeah. driveway for cash. And I mean, that is so huge amongst, um, you know, amongst communities. And another one is, and especially in the black community is off the books hairdressers where you have 
a woman who was doing hair out of her house. You know, I mean, these yeah. are all things that we do. You know, I, I've told the story before about um, I grew up playing hockey and I always had cheap equipment because my parents didn't have any money. Right. So at one time, my dad comes home and he's, he throws he throws a set of gloves at me that I've always wanted. And I knew they were expensive gloves. At that time, they were like 70 to $80. And he's like, just give me $20. You know, my dad goes, just give me $20. Huh. And I'm like, I'm like, how did you get these? And he just looks at me and goes, they, they, they fell off the back of a truck. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, and I mean, obviously, at some point down the line, they fell off the back of a truck. But <laughs> yep. they came to me and, you know, my dad bought them for $20, paid no taxes. I gave I paid my dad back and everything. And no taxes were collected for that. It's just stuff like that. I mean, and I really believe as when you look at COVID, when you look mm -hmm. at these riots, I mean, there is no better time than right now for um, protection agencies to start popping up. You know, yeah. And I'm talking about even unofficial ones to pop up for neighborhoods that and there's another thing where people can just get together in the neighborhood and say, hey, I need, you know, we need protection here. We don't want to call the cops. Let's pay these people. Or, um, and also, you know, Konkin's dream is that agorism becomes so huge. I mean, there are, no records were really kept about what was happening in the Soviet Union as far as the black market went. But there are people, that, at one point they said, like, the whole, like, um, fixing appliances, home appliances, was like 90% black market. Oh. Like if you needed something fixed, you had to go to the black market. You had to get somebody to do it to the point where the government at one point begged people who were doing it to just take a license <laughs> that they didn't have to pay for so that, that it could look legitimate. Jesus. So I think with you know, really talking to people, because everybody – Everybody on the planet, I would assume, who's you know probably in a, in Western nations and even non-Western nations and even really in the the worst nations, has done something agorist, and maybe does something agorist on a regular basis. So mm -hmm. I don't think this is a really hard sell to people, but you know I've told people I'll just mention it in passing and everything, and um, they'll be like somebody will be like oh yeah I do this and everything, and I'm like oh so you do that out of your house? It's like yeah I do that out of my house and everything. It's off the books and everything, so you don't pay taxes on that. It's like no, I'm like that's good, and they're like yeah that is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So I mean people people are open to the idea. I mean it's very rare that you meet somebody <laughs> who's happy to pay taxes. Yep. I mean, there are people on yeah. there are people on Twitter who virtue signal that they're happy to pay taxes, but really when it comes down to it they're taking every deduction like everyone else is and probably even more. Yeah, I uh with people on Twitter I take the policy of in almost all cases not listening to anything they say uh because let's be fair here we're on fucking Twitter. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it's not the real, it's not the real world. <laughs> it, 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 could you imagine an alien life form, like sitting out, you know, in their craft, um, sitting far enough away or hiding behind the moon, but they can listen to, but they can spy on what's going on. But the only thing that they can see is Twitter. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> if, if they had if if they had a weapon strong enough to destroy the planet, <laughs> I wouldn't be it. mad at them. I wouldn't no. be mad at them. <laughs> Neither would I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I know here in the Netherlands we have. Um, uh, I think one of the greatest examples of uh, like agorism that is being practiced without the actual thought of agorism uh, is the sale of bikes. Um, because the Dutch are with bikes as the Americans are with guns. We have like <laughs> two and a half bikes per uh, inhabitant on average. Um, but uh, especially if, say, you're a student or you're not particularly rich, you don't buy this bike at a dealership. Um, you go to wherever the bars are around two o'clock at night uh, and you find a guy uh, that has, let's say, lost and found a bike, um, and you pay them five euro, and you've got yourself a perfectly new bike. Now, 
<laughs> this bike will probably be stolen in like two weeks, but then you just go to the same place and buy another one for like five bucks. Um, you, you know so, that guy stealing the bike back, right? Oh, yeah. But I mean, at this point, <laughs> uh, the bikes are basically just communal possessions. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm, <laughs> I'm old enough. I'm old enough to remember a time when you could buy a car for a hundred and fifty dollars and drive wow, it for like a Jesus year. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it, it was like, and you could drive it for like a year, and then it would fall apart, and you just buy another one. And then some, sometime around the ter- the early '90s to mid '90s, uh, that just dis- that disappeared. Being able to buy old cars for like nothing, just um, especially in South Florida, if they didn't have air conditioning. Oh, you could just get <laughs> people would be willing to give them to you. <laughs> oh man, let me see. Um, so, I have uh, one more question for you, or one more topic to dive into, um, and that is, um, how do we talk with people that have, uh, let's say, the wrong opinion? Uh, to be a little bit smug here, basically people who uh, are not anarchists, um, you know, or lefties or, or conservatives or whatever. Um, and I don't mean on Twitter because realistically on Twitter you shouldn't talk to anyone. Uh, but let's say a friend or a family member uh, that thinks anarchy is just chaos and uh, just uh, that. Uh, Anarchy is basically what's going on with the rioting in the U.S. now. Like, what, uh, as, as satisfying as it would be to tell those people that they're um, bootlickers and, and should do some fucking research, that's probably not very helpful. Um, so, what would be the more helpful way of uh, bringing across the the uh, ideas of anarchy? Well, if it was a member of my family, I'd be like, hey, I just produced this documentary. And um, I just think, you know, sit down and tell me what you think of it. Tell me what you think of the quality. Um, It's really hard. Um, I I really start, I've gotten to the point where as long as the person's not, I mean, yesterday on Twitter, we had this, this, this Canadian commie. I mean, the guy in his profile shirt, he's he's wearing a CCP shirt. And and all he's doing... Yeah. And all he's doing is he's throwing out revolutionary tropes. You know, I'll say I'll say, fuck this government. I hate this government. And he'll be like, you support that government. It's like, OK, how, how am I supposed to argue with you? Um, but if somebody is really interested and actually curious, I just start asking questions like, um, OK, so if there's somebody from the right. OK, so you agree that that socialized health socialized medicine is horrible right and it'll be like yeah yeah, yeah no i don't i don't i don't want so, I, I don't want socialized medicine like europe or like canada it's like okay then why have we socialized our security force when they're yeah. really not a security force right yeah you know, and you know so why why are we why is it okay to socialize some things but not other things i mean should we socialize food and do you think the, the same people who are in charge of hiring police, do you think that they should be in charge of hiring people to grow food? And those are the people, those are the only people we rely on for our food. How about babysitters? So yeah. when, when, a, when a mother or a dad wants to get back to work and the baby's you know, old enough to uh, go to daycare, should we send them to state daycare? Should we send them to people who've only been vetted by the government and not by like private people, not like your friend? Because I mean, the easiest way to find a babysitter is to ask people you know who have kids. Hey, who's a you know what's a good daycare center where they're actually going to teach them, start getting them you know pre K kind of stuff and everything. What if we just let? What if that was just government workers like the same people who work at the at the driver's license office? Or work at the post office. Mm-hmm. And I, that's really the way that I've found to get people to really start you know, scratching their heads and going, huh, yeah, maybe that wouldn't be a good idea. Um, and then you start talking to them about security forces, private security. I mean, 
there's private there are neighborhoods all over this country that have private security all over the world that have private security um you can point to dale brown and detroit threat management even though he's not an anarchist and he doesn't see his company as the solution to policing on a grand scale for the whole you know he does he doesn't think that he doesn't believe that his company, the way his company does things, could exist without the government. I disagree, and I think anybody else who's studied his model completely disagrees with him. But, I mean, he has his opinion. It's cool. At least we can use that as a model. And so I point him to, like, hey, you know, look at Detroit Threat Management. You can look at videos on YouTube of how they handle calls and how they teach people to uh, to set up their house so that, you know, Everybody's worried. You, know, you don't want someone to break in. I don't want someone to break in. I don't want to shoot somebody and everything. Well, set up your house so that nobody can break in. Or if they do, if they can break in, it's going to take a lot of effort, and you're going to be you're going to know well in advance so that you can prepare yourself. But he also makes the point. <laughs> yeah, he also makes the point. Look, if someone breaks into your house and you shoot and kill them, that person has relatives. Mm-hmm. How do you know that 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 person's relatives? are not going to seek to have revenge on you. So if you if you don't have your house set up so that it can't be broken into and you might have to kill somebody, you're going to have to probably move after you kill that person or else you they're going to be they could have people who are going to be seeking retribution on their behalf. So really, I mean security um, is one that I really like to talk about, especially now with everything that's going on, because I think that people can see that just the police, the police to, to bring this back to, we were talking about it before, they just, yeah. their model doesn't work. I mean, police talk, people say, well, who's going to protect us? And I'm like, the police don't protect us now. Someone breaks into your house and you call 911. I mean, by the time the police showed up, you're dead. You could be dead. You could be robbed. You could be raped. I mean, if you live out in the middle of nowhere, like say, you know, I live in Georgia. I live really close. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. the city I live in used to be part of Atlanta. So I'm pretty close to downtown, but I'm still my neighborhood is kind of hidden and everything. Right. But you drive 20 minutes and you're in the middle. Uh, you drive 20 minutes north of me and you're in the middle of nowhere and you call the cops. It might take the cops 10 minutes just to get to you. Yeah, so it's like, I, I mean, how are they how are they protectors? When if someone breaks into your house and they're ten minutes away, I mean, the person's they're going to get what they can and they're going to get out quick because they know that the police might be coming. It's just these are things, easy things to talk to people. I mean, but the but these have to be honest people. You know, you having a conversation like this on Twitter is so rare because people want to people want to and. I fall victim to this too. I mean, I do this too, where I just want to get my opinion out there and I don't want to discuss it with anybody else. I think you're an idiot. Whatever you're, whatever you're um, proposing is moronic and I just don't have the time with you. So fuck you. Yeah. You know, but, but, but I can usually tell on social media if somebody's asking genuine questions and I will answer and get into a genuine uh, discussion. But if somebody's being moronic, I might actually get in that too, just so that people yeah. watching, just, just so that people watching, um, I can show them that what this person is advocating for is, is idiotic and I, I can take it down. I mean, I've, <laughs> I mean, how hard is it to take down a communist who doesn't even under, who's never read, who's never read Marx, and and I and I basically got him to admit, not only has he never read like Mises or Rothbard and know our arguments, he's never read his own arguments. He's just read some communist revolutionary slogans off of a website, and now he's spe- copying and pasting them over here. Yep. But yeah, you know, there are people. Yeah. But in your personal life and people that you know and everything, that you, you just have to you have to know what's important to them. You know, if you're talking to somebody on the left, well, talk to them about the police too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to, if they're talking about welfare, get to know the history of like mutual aid societies in America, and how mutual aid societies provided better health care for the poor people in the early 1900s than a lot of middle income to upper middle income people have access to now. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. I think that's uh, quite a good point. Uh, just before you even uh, start explaining to people uh, like how things would work under uh, or like in Ancapistan, let's say, um, or uh, like what the failures of the government are, just start by finding out uh, what function of a government they consider to be most important uh, and what they think could not be provided by uh, essentially a free market. Um, now, we're almost out of time here, so uh, just to touch on a few points that you mentioned, uh, as far as calling the police goes, uh, yeah, I live, at least at my current place, very close to the police station. I'd say a small 10 minutes walk uh, and I'm there. But let's say uh, I find out someone is breaking into my house. So a guy comes from the police station in his car. Well, my city is extremely car unfriendly, so it's going to take him like 10 minutes to get there. Uh, then he's going to have to get up four flights of stairs uh, because the elevator is consistently broken. Uh, so not only is he going to be exhausted once he's there, but this burglar is going to be long gone. Um, so, uh, yeah, my entire burglar prevention plan boils down basically to the same thing. Uh, four sets of stairs, uh, a pretty dirty house. Uh, and uh, in a worst case scenario, I have pretty big windows and I live on the fourth floor. So, you know, opening the window and a good shove uh, should take care of the situation if need be. Um but yeah, the cops are going to be too late uh, every time. And it's not even, uh, I mean, it's partly also because the cops are incompetent, but it's not even necessarily because the police is incompetent. It's just a matter of the distance and time. Like, if you're going to have to call a guy that's 15 minutes away, yeah, you're fucked. Like, the guy that's going to murder you or rip your wife or shoot your dog is going to wait 15 minutes for a guy in a clown suit to show up. Um, and then I had another thing, but I don't remember it anymore. Um, I'm the host of the so Free Man Beyond the Wall important. podcast. I just <laughs> um, released my 433rd with that, episode. Uh, please give me all Friday. of your plugs. Um, um, go to the Monopoly, and, the uh, Monopoly on we'll Violence.com. There is a link to the YouTube um, video of the documentary. There's also a free 720p download, um, quality download there. Right next to it, there's a donation button. So if you're going to take it for free and you feel like you want to donate something, please do. Uh, we have PayPal and crypto there. Um, there is a 4K download for $10 there as well. Um, we will be uploading it to Amazon um, within the next couple weeks. We're just uh, doing a couple tweaks to what's on what's on the website. And then um, I write. I also write at libertarianinstitute.org, and you can see all my writings, and I also put all my uh, episodes of my podcast on there. I have a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Mance Raider. And yeah, that's that's really about it. All right. Awesome. Um, well, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and uh, I'll just quickly throw out my plugs as well for anyone that's listening that is new. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Discord, Keybase, under Bolsito or Bolsito Poll. Um, if you see a guy with a Alex Jones Avi uh, shooting laser eyes or lasers out of his eyes, that's me. Uh, I mostly just shit post and put out pure trash so you know uh don't expect any arguments from me uh with that i also have a patreon because uh, i'm a poor and i would like to sound like less of a poor on my podcast um so help me with buying expensive shit like new mics and interfaces etc etc uh and donate to it it's the same as my twitter so patreon.com slash bullshitopole and lastly uh 
I am part of the Red House. Uh, so follow all of the podcasts that are in the Red, uh, which are uh, one second. I'll pull up the list. Burning Boots, Punk, and the Second Memory, and the Corporate Risk, 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 and